Good morning. I'm James Holman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Friday, October 4th. In today's news, President Trump brought up Joe Biden and Elizabeth Warren during a phone call with the president of China this summer. The IRS whistleblower has relayed concerns about improper interference in the audits of either the president or the vice president. And Rick Perry will resign as Secretary of Energy. But first, the big idea. House investigators released numerous text messages late Thursday night illustrating how senior State Department officials coordinated with the Ukrainian president's top aide and President Trump's personal lawyer. The Trump people coordinated behind the scenes to use leverage to get a promise from the Ukrainians to investigate both the 2016 U.S. election and an energy company that previously employed Joe Biden's son. Former special U.S. envoy to Ukraine, Kurt Volker, who resigned last Friday night, provided the smoking texts to investigators during a 10-hour deposition that wrapped up late last night. They reveal that officials felt Trump would not agree to meet with Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky unless Zelensky first promised to launch the investigations and did so publicly. Although the texts do not mention Biden by name, congressional Democrats leading the impeachment inquiry are pointing to them as clear evidence that Trump conditioned normal bilateral relations with Ukraine on that country, first agreeing to launch politically motivated investigations. On July 25th, Hours before Trump's phone call with Zelensky, Volker texted the Ukrainian president's top aide, Andrei Yermak. He wrote, and this is a quote, heard from White House, assuming President Z convinces Trump he will investigate, get to the bottom of what happened in 2016, we will nail down a date for a visit to Washington. Yet two weeks after that call, the president still had not agreed to meet with Zelensky, and administration officials sought to convince the Ukrainians that Trump would first need a public pledge before agreeing to that meeting, which they were desperate to get to show resolve against Russia, which continues to occupy the eastern part of their country. Other text messages show this in stark terms. The U.S. ambassador to the European Union, Gordon Sondland, texted Volcker on August 9th, quote, I think POTUS really wants the deliverable. Ostensibly, the deliverable is a reference to the investigation of Biden. Sondland then suggested that Zelensky might give a news conference to announce his intent to investigate Hunter Biden's company. Trump's ambassador to the EU then told Volker that it, quote, might be helpful to ask Zelensky's aide for a draft statement so they can see exactly what the Ukrainians propose to cover as part of their probe. By the next day, the messages indicate the Ukrainians had agreed to announce their plans to carry out Trump's investigation alongside the date for a meeting between the two heads of state. As the United States resisted giving Zelensky the audience he wanted with Trump, the texts suggest that the White House was issuing an escalating series of demands. In a text on September 1st, the U.S. Charge Day Affairs in Ukraine, a guy by the name of Bill Taylor texted Sondland, Trump's EU ambassador, he was blunt, quote, are we now saying that security assistance and a White House meeting are conditioned on investigations? Instead of texting back, Sondland called him in Kiev. 
Taylor followed up with a text on September 9th, writing, quote, As I said on the phone, I think it's crazy to withhold security assistance for help with a political campaign. Taylor added that Trump's order to withhold congressionally approved military aid to Ukraine had already created a, quote, nightmare scenario for American interests. Sondland, apparently trying to cover himself, replied immediately in writing that the president has been crystal clear there should be no quid pro quo. Then he added, quote, I suggest we stop the back and forth by text. And that's when the texts stop. Sondland declined to comment through his attorney. And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar. Number one, the president yesterday publicly urged China to investigate Biden with his brazen and direct appeal to Beijing delivered before journalists assembled on the South Lawn of the White House. Trump seemed to make a mockery of the charge that he abused the power of his office by pressing his Ukrainian counterpart to examine the unfounded allegation of corruption by the Bidens. Trump's plea to China for an investigation into the Bidens came immediately after he addressed his acrimonious trade war with China. He literally said, quote, I have a lot of options on China, but if they don't do what we want, we have tremendous power. Then less than 30 seconds later, Trump added, quote, China should start an investigation into the Bidens because what happened to China is just as bad or just about as bad as what happened in Ukraine. Trump's statement effectively globalizes his argument that he's been making domestically. He's essentially calling on every country in the world to stand with the U.S. under his rule or against it. This sends a loud signal to other countries that if they want to curry favor with the U.S. government, one way to do it is by digging up or making up damaging information about Democrats. Democratic leaders denounced Trump's China comments and appeared dumbfounded that this president had given them live ammunition to use against them as they move toward impeachment. Congressional Republicans, who rarely speak a crossword about the president, barely blinked. Then, last night, CNN reported that during a phone call with Chinese dictator Xi Jinping on June 18th, Trump brought up both Biden and Senator Elizabeth Warren. This was the already infamous phone call in which Trump promised Xi that he would remain quiet on the Hong Kong protests in order to help trade talks move forward. The White House record of this shocking call was stored in the same electronic system intended for details of covert operations, the same system where they also concealed details of that Ukraine call on July 25th. When the White House was asked about Trump's call with Xi, they did not deny that he raised Biden and Warren or that he promised to bite his tongue on Hong Kong. Senator Warren replied on Twitter, quote, Trump can say what he wants about me, but it's outrageous that any president would sell out the people of Hong Kong behind closed doors. Warren said the public must see the full transcript of Trump's call with Xi and added that the country needs a leader who will stand up for American values. Number two. That whistleblower complaint filed by a career official at the Internal Revenue Service, which I mentioned earlier in the week, says that he was told that at least one political appointee at the Treasury Department improperly interfered with the annual audit of the president's or vice president's tax returns. That's according to multiple people familiar with the document. 
Trump administration officials dismiss this complaint as flimsy because the whistleblower is coming forward based on conversations with other government officials. But legal experts from both parties, as well as former IRS leaders, say it's not only very unusual, but highly improper for political appointees at Treasury to ask IRS career staff about the status of an individual's audit. The whistleblower's account focuses on the integrity of the government system for auditing the president's and vice president's tax returns. That process is supposed to be walled off from political interference. Key parts of the whistleblower's complaint remain under wraps in part because there are very strict privacy laws that prevent the disclosure of any details relating to the filing of tax returns. That's why we don't know if it was the tax returns from Trump or Pence. Now, the Washington Post was able to track down the whistleblower, whose identity remains secret, and we're going to keep him anonymous. He agreed to be identified as him. He confirmed in an interview that he filed a formal complaint and sent it to the chairs of both tax writing committees in Congress, plus the Treasury Department's inspector general back in July. There hasn't been action. The whistleblower discussed or dismissed the contention of the Trump White House that his complaint was uncorroborated. He said an investigation will back him up. He also denied that his action of coming forward was politically motivated. He explained that anyone who knows him knows that he would never hesitate to speak up if it was a Democrat interfering improperly in audits. He said he takes very seriously the duty of career civil servants to act with integrity and perform their duties impartially, even at the risk that someone will attack them or will end their career. Number three, Energy Secretary Rick Perry is expected to resign by the end of November, according to four individuals briefed on his plans. Perry's kept a low profile during his time in this administration, particularly for a former Texas governor who twice ran for president. One Trump administration ally says that Perry, who spent much of his career in public service, would like to earn a private sector salary before, quote, hanging up his spurs. In May, Perry led the American delegation to Zelensky's inauguration in the place of Vice President Pence. However, no evidence has emerged that Perry participated in the Trump effort to pressure Ukrainian officials to investigate the Bidens. While Perry has shifted some of the Energy Department's policy emphasis compared to his Democratic predecessors, especially on climate change, the department has not experienced nearly as much turmoil as other parts of the federal government under Trump. And Perry has worked hard on initiatives such as protecting the electricity grid from cybersecurity attacks, something that enjoys bipartisan support. The White House has consistently tried to cut Perry's budget but it's actually grown because of his deft political skills. Perry regularly travels the country to hand out research grants and praises the hard work of federal scientists. And that's The Daily 202 for Friday, October 4th. Thanks for listening. I'm James Holman. Have a great weekend. I'm sure we'll have a lot to talk about on Monday.